I'm Merle, head pearl, owner of the studio and resident cat lady. I'm Joe, shop and event manager, and I know people. I'm Trees, I'm the digital marketing manager, and I'm an astrology enthusiast. And this is Sitting, Sitting in, in the, the Sill. <laughs> hey guys, Merle here. Thanks for tuning back into our podcast all about conscious consumerism. This week, Joe and I were lucky enough to sit down with Elena and Jonathan, the founders of 18th and Wood. They've built a really intentional business based on vintage and reworked streetwear that uses Pilsen as both an inspiration and a backdrop. In this episode, we explore the origins of 18th and Wood, what inspires and drives them, and what they think the future of vintage fashion holds for us. Please enjoy. Like, I love it when we're doing a shoot outside and people always just want to, like, I love when people are in the photos because oh, it just yeah, makes yeah. it real. It feels legit. Yeah, like, we're not just having this super great setup. It just, like, it is part of the landscape of everything, you know? Totally. And I think it, I did. Always, yes. It's always be yes. rolling. Um, I think that's also inspiring, too, because other people can see that. They see the process and then they see the final images and it it inspires them to also pursue that as well Mm -hmm. because they're like oh you don't need this super fancy photography studio you can be a little bit more gritty and mobile and do it and still produce really great content yeah our our initial photographer they reached out to us sleepy kiwis um they are a great photographer and they just kind of came by the store one day and were like hey i would love to shoot for you Oh, that's excellent. Um, and they were saying that like with our with our phones, you know, our new like the iPhones are so good at this point or whatever you use, yeah, you know, it's DSLR quality. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's so much more convenient because then it's just something that you put in your pocket. You don't have to worry about like carrying a bunch of equipment, camera cards, memory cards. So, yeah, you guys were talking like the, the origins of 18th and Wood really started out of your bedroom or your, your My apartment. My living right? room, yeah. Yeah, basically yeah. your yeah. whole unit at one yeah. point, right? Yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah. So we just we started online. That was the initial goal. Yeah, it grew from there. Did you guys start on Etsy or which platform did you begin we went, on? We went straight to Shopify. We, yeah. we wow. wanted to, you know, at least from, you know, a logistics and scalability standpoint um, and a sustainable standpoint, we just wanted to start, you know, right from the beginning. Like, here's our process. Here's how we're putting everything out there. We were really more trying to build a brand. Yeah. So knowing that we might not make profit off the bat, but just getting people to recognize us, go to our direct website, mm-hmm. have a nice site. Have that kind of branded. control mm-hmm. over how you're represented. Totally. Exactly. How people can find you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really inspiring because I think a lot of people will start on Etsy or eBay even sometimes when you talk to kind of like the, the real OG vintage sellers totally. yeah. who started because that was really the, the one of the few online platforms where people were consistently going to purchase vintage as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was like the trade off, right? Like, do we remove ourselves from, you know, these channels where the people are actively searching towards creating our own standalone website that, you know, wasn't having any kind of SEO or traffic or marketing value in its own right? And, right. you know, but I think we just decided that it was just so much better to just start that from scratch and just kind of 
let that kind of evolve over time. And, you know, one of the reasons we love Shopify so much is that it has so many great um, add-on channels. Mm -hmm. So it immediately, we were one of the first stores to have like a shoppable Instagram account because of Shopify has Damn. such great um, connections with these large platforms because they are such a giant um, mm -hmm. trade up like you could buy them on the Canada Stock Exchange right um, oh I didn't even realize it was a Canadian yeah so they're brand. like they're a huge company based uh, are you a secret mole for Shopify oh, I <laughs> probably mean, honestly, I'm, I love it just because yeah. it makes it's always it's been so great for us and Absolutely. made it really easy so like we could immediately integrate with Shopify uh, with uh, Instagram uh, you know last year they were able to connect with eBay so, it so was we just did eventually start an eBay store but it was after we kind of created our brand and a name for our and again, because it was just so easy to like click on the check mark, you know, add in a few different characteristics that wouldn't be a part of the online store, and it's um and it's synced with our system. So if it's online in the store, but it sells out on eBay, it's not like we have to manage pieces in all these different places. Totally, uh, which That's is why, why we did the amazing. switch from um, at our first location. I was using Square in mm -hmm. store, and then um, which is beautiful, Square and space. that's why people love totally. it. Totally, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you it's know? definitely for in-person selling only, and that's their strong suit. But it was always really difficult because um, we've always done kind of a mix of selling vintage, but also handmade stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the handmade stuff was great because that was easier to do. But then when something vintage would sell either online, then I would have to try to like pull it from the system. And then there would always be inevitably some leftover pieces totally. clogging yeah. up inventory. And so we made the switch as well. And it like it really is. We promise that Shopify is actually not sponsoring this. We should that would be a huge amazing. Boon. <laughs> but it definitely is a, a really convenient yeah. system. I do have to say sometimes because they are so geared towards online commerce mm -hmm. that sometimes the pos capabilities or functionality sometimes is a little frustrating mm -hmm. i know when mm -hmm. we add csv sometimes it's kind of difficult to make sure like which is toggled because not everything of ours goes online totally. especially vintage so that's maybe they won't sponsor us now but yeah. <laughs> but it, it can be a little frustrating totally. in that way and that's yeah. again like with everything but i feel like with shopify they really invest in the product to like make it better like because they are publicly traded right it's in their best interest to continue to evolve their product and make it easy for us um which is you know really great absolutely it's nice to have a bigger company sometimes actually yeah caring about smaller merchants and and helping them succeed as well totally um yeah. so to back up a little bit how did you guys first kind of decide to go into business together well yeah. sure <laughs> um so we both had our nine to fives our corporate jobs and we were both feeling very stifled creatively and we kind of separately decided to start something creatively um and then we came together like why are we going to do two separate things mm -hmm. when we could do something together mm -hmm. um, at the same time. Yeah, like initially we were trying to start like a like a, a digital zine of mm -hmm. sorts, um, but we were not necessarily writers by trade. Like we, I think we are good writers, but we're not necessarily journalists or anything like that. And so just needing something to be you know sustainable, right? And just ha kind of always being able to churn out content and. You know, I had started like a business when I was in college, you know, similarly, just vintage merch. I got like a grant from the school, which is why we have a lot of the equipment we have now, mm -hmm. which was really That's great. Awesome. And that I kind of just stopped and fizzled. I was losing interest. And but I still needed that like creative outlet. And so did Elena. And we really just wanted to have ownership, you know, 
have our voice be the voice Mm -hmm. of reason, you know, and have that be trusted. And I trust her voice and she trusts mine. And we had a very similar uh, vision. Has that been tricky at all? Like, is there anything that you guys have really kind of strongly differed on in terms of the, the visual of your brand? Maybe it's more so, I mean, of course there's going to be like some disagreements, but I feel like it's more so around like product selection. Mm -hmm. Do we get this color versus that color? But we're very democratic, I feel, with everything. Like if I end up conversations. Yeah, like if if Elena comes up with a design for something and I'm like, no, this is trash. Like we we both (laughs) need to agree. Or vice versa. Absolutely. We both want to agree collectively that this is the piece we're going to move forward with versus one of us not feeling confident in it or the other way around. Um, And what's really nice is because of, you know, our website's capabilities, it's really easy for us to see what's selling, what isn't, what price point is the the best seller Mm -hmm. um, and things like that, which is, which makes it really easy too. Yeah. You can also get that that kind of good validation totally if maybe they didn't believe in a color right. or something like that exactly like, mm, look at what's sold this week <laughs> yeah this, absolutely the same yeah, thing happened exactly. in the store because i am such a visual person to a fault sometimes and so our denim wall mm-hmm. was organized just by color gradient and one day um joe and trees were like what if <laughs> we decided to arrange it by size and my initial reaction was like, mm, excuse me? <laughs> like, that's going to mess with my visual. Right. Like, what are people going to take a stupid Instagram photo of kind mm-hmm, of thing? Because mm-hmm. obviously mixing it by size, like you can still get that color gradient, but it's not quite as pretty. Right. Literally, as they did it, we had a customer in the store. She said that was the first time that she had shopped denim and she bought a pair of jeans. Right. And yeah. so that was immediate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was my visual mic drop. That was <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> exactly. And that was that was kind of the perfect time to be like, mm, okay, yep, I can uh, I can alleviate or, yeah. you know, and I think let we've, go of some I think some we've control. always been really good about, like, listening to what our customers want, either mm-hmm. in different ways, right? Like, we always are looking at the Instagram analytics to see what are people liking? What model are they liking? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that also e- makes a huge difference. Yeah, and, we, does, and we've definitely. noticed, you know, like for example, some models, while they're beautiful and great friends of ours, may not necessarily resonate with the audience in the way that mm-hmm. we want them to. So we'll probably not waste our time shooting that person again. Exactly. Um, because again, like it's not for us, it's for the customer and our fans and our followers and that's who we're absolutely. trying to serve more so, more than our egos or our friends mm-hmm. absolutely we, mm-hmm. i was just actually referencing that i don't know if you guys refer to the website need supply they feature a lot mm. of independent designers i think they're based out of virginia actually it's like needsupply.co or something yes. like that okay yep. um yeah and they there was a model i think she's actually also you know kind of one of those multi-hyphenate where she does like ceramics and some jewelry and modeling and photography mm-hmm. and kind of thing. But sister lover she, fighter. Yes. You know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but she just had the best vibe and aesthetic. She had some really cool tattoos, but just her confidence and a tiny bit of swagger in front of the camera, like completely different body type from myself. Mm-hmm. She's eight inches taller, like m- very thin so the clothes that she was ultimately really looking good in, I would not look good in, but I wanted those clothes mm-hmm. because it was mm-hmm. the whole vibe and aesthetic that she was selling as well. Right. And, and s- then I remember them getting a different model and I was like, mm. like, I don't, and it <laughs> yeah, wasn't, you know, yeah. to be fair, like, I don't know this person, but it was just like, 
their their vibe kind of threw me off a little it's bit. It's like if a picture has a thousand words, yeah. right? Like exactly, and mm-hmm. they're all like non-vocal, so yeah. it's just how you feel in reaction to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like a while ago when Sophia Maruso still owned Shopify. I think it was before they even got that investment money from mm-hmm. um, the same company that invested in like an ASOS and Facebook invested in her before she kind of departed um, the store as the from CEO. Uh, or no, from Nasty Gal itself oh, Nasty as the Gal, store yeah. yep. uh, before she started Girl Boss. Right. Um, she talks about, you know, when you're on, you know, eBay, you know, you have just this tiny little thumbtack of a photo, right? That's you have to compete with, you know, and it has to stand out. And how do you do that in a way that showcases the product, gives off a brand feel and also sells it ultimately. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of entices them to click through. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, your instinctual reaction may be to show everything in that photo, but because it's so small and because Mm -hmm. it's competing, like even nowadays when you're scrolling through Instagram, you have to have a compelling enough, image so it can't just be like straight up product photography like you can't just show the seams or the detail on something it still ultimately has to be that compelling photograph totally right i think can be good and bad because it it definitely entails more work but i think it also pushes people creatively Mm -hmm. which ultimately is never a good thing it just pushes the entire craft forward Mm -hmm. as well yeah and i feel like that's what's driven our growth from the beginning you know we were always doing shoots outside within pilsen you know showcasing where we were where our business was you know Mm -hmm. and what inspires us and the brand and people love that you know they've kind of come to expect it at this point yeah totally do it like almost every other week yeah yeah so I know, Elena, you grew up in Pilsen mm-hmm. as well, right? Do mm-hmm. you, how do you think that that's kind of shaped like your your side of the brand and your aesthetic as well? Because I know obviously you guys are still located here yeah. in Pilsen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and was that also a conscious decision to stay here? Yeah, it was ultimately conscious. Um, however, as he said, we started in my apartment. So that was the... That was the meaning behind the name. But as you know, Pilsen is very colorful and very full of culture. Mm-hmm. So that does influence our clothing and our selection and even the way we take pictures and the people we choose to photograph. So uh, we did make a conscious decision to kind of make our store and our website minimalist so that the colors of the clothing and the pieces and our pictures just kind of stand out. So kind of reflecting not, or just juxtaposing totally. the, right. the, the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You've mentioned branding. How is it that you have found that um, for yourself and like always going to be, I think, in in many ways, evolving that? Mm hmm. That's a great question. I think, you know, when, like, again, like we're talking about, you know, all these different like eBay and like Etsy shops and in how do you compete with that? You know, a lot of them are just, you know, just showcasing the product, you know, they're resellers, right? And I think we knew that we always wanted to have a brand feel. Like you mm-hmm. see it, you recognize it, you know it, uh, whether it's our models, the clothes, or a combination of all of it, right? And I just knew that's what was going to help separate us as we continue to move forward because, you know, I could pass a vintage shop, get a piece, and just that's it but like when you have a name a feel of your store and aesthetic that's Mm -hmm. that's what attracts people to you and you know I think we are very inclusive of models and body types of all different colors shapes and sizes and so we because we've always wanted people to be able to see themselves in our clothes you know there's so many you know insta boutiques where you know size two across the board and that's not 
the reality. And I think we've taken that perspective and knowing that ourselves from the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. Um, and like with regard to branding, we always try to make sure that our collections are cohesive. So like you said, with aesthetic, we're not going to just bring in any vintage piece because it's cool or we like it. It has to fit within the rest of our pieces and maybe even our collection for that season. So we really make sure that we're putting it within the context of our entire store. Mm-hmm. What would you say that would be characterized by if, if you were going to label mm-hmm. or maybe define what that aesthetic is? 90s modern minimalism. I was waiting for him to say it. That's like <laughs> those are those are the three words, you know, because I mean, you know, we're we're kids of the '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we love that aesthetic, and I feel like as most people do. Um, but again, we do want to have a modern edge. You know, I feel like I think that's one thing. You know, Sofia Maruso talks about like there were all these vintage stores with uh, flowing flower <laughs> or uh, you know things like that. We wanted it to you know feel modern. Mm-hmm. Um, but then going back to what Elena was saying about the minimalist component of it all, we want the clothes. Um, and the people and the brand to be the focal point, which is why we do take that minimalist approach to the the brand as well, yeah. um, just to make everything that, like the clothes themselves, be the focal point in all of it. And I think the 90s is evolving as well because, you know, trends and decades change with mm-hmm. the seasons. So we're slowly evolving into the early 2000s. But still, that was gonna be my a next lot question. of 90s. Like when you guys first started, did you know... Did you guys kind of sit down and determine what the really um, driving aesthetic would be for your brand as well? That was really fun because we actually did make these really great like mood boards. And we both were just like, I want to see your perspective. I want you to see my perspective. We got some poster boards and just kind of did that independently. They were very similar, but very distinct at at the same time. And it was like, how do we marry these two? But Mm -hmm. at that point, it was really easy because they already did have such a similar vibe in itself. So Mm -hmm. already from the beginning, we're like, okay, we are looking at this from the same lens and perspective. So that kind of just made it easier for us, Um, which is also, I think, why we went into business together in the first point. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we were doing things independently and then we're like, it's so similar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. That's really cool because I think it it potentially could have also turned out that you guys would have been slight competitors. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think I talk about this a lot in terms of the brands that we choose to feature, which is all female, because I think social media and society really kind of pits specifically women, but creatives in general really against each other. Oh, totally. yeah. You're totally. not even doing similar things, but we're kind mm-hmm. of conditioned to look at each other who somebody might get a certain accolade or recognition and instead of being really happy for our friend or colleague Mm -hmm. that's doing something cool and using that to maybe inspire us to reach that next pantheon a lot of times we're like what are they doing that I'm not kind of thing so I think it's so inspiring to see two individuals who were you know doing their their own things and deciding to ultimately collaborate and create something really special and powerful Mm -hmm. together as well and I like to think you know comparison is the death of happiness you know I think we love comparing ourselves our situation yeah we all do but like 
I think what's more important is to have like goals for mm-hmm. ourselves and, you know, reach for that, but not based on someone else's situation. Cause then we're never going to be fulfilled with what we're doing. There's always going to be somebody better than you, someone more successful. So it's better to just create our own goals. Goal posts. Yeah. 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 Like stay in your lane a little bit. Exactly. Like really kind of focus. Like you can be, I think really inspired and use, other things happening to drive you forward. Totally. Yeah. But I think ultimately, yeah, I mean, it is, you're unfortunately always going to end up slightly comparing yourself to people. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a knee jerk response that yeah. maybe you could condition out, but I think it's ultimately your further reaction after that, that you can dictate. Totally. So using it as inspiration and kind of a kick in the butt to be totally. like, yeah. okay, yeah. cool. They're doing that. What can we do to get to that point as well? Mm-hmm. And totally. I think that that is, kind of indicative of businesses that succeed ultimately yeah people that are willing to kind of look at opposition and figure out how to conquer and move forward as well yeah Yeah. and we also are very supportive of other local brands even if the feeling hasn't been reciprocated Mm -hmm. because another thing I don't think we've mentioned is I mean I guess it's inherent with the fact that our brand is very Pilsen centric, but it's also very Chicago centric. So we love our city. We love where we come from, where we grew up. And that's not just branding. That's like who we are. Mm -hmm. And it shows because we do support the local vintage shops that one might consider our competition um, or the local Pilsen brands or, or other like North side Chicago brands that other people might consider our competition. And a lot of people are supportive. A lot of those people are, and some of them aren't. You get to see who is like us and just wants to see Chicago succeed and who is just out for themselves, which is fine because we're going to continue to be ourselves. Totally. And I really do think that that bleeds through to customers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I've really noticed since having a shop in Pilsen the last five and a half years is um, each vintage store we all inevitably have overlap right there's only Mm -hmm. so many things that you can pull that aren't going to show up in another store but i think what's so cool is that um when customers we all still have our own vibe and aesthetic and so when people are coming to look for that specific thing i'm able to send them to this other store and vice versa Mm -hmm. and i think even if that's not a super overt verbal thing that we're telling customers like hey we support other Pilsen businesses they notice that Mm -hmm. these businesses are willing to send customers around because they know the more support that these stores have the more customers that ultimately come to the neighborhood and the more exactly spent here and obviously there's so many statistics where the more revenue you spend at small businesses that revenue then in turn goes back to these other small businesses like it stays Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood as well Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, which in turn is why, you know, we're currently here. And so you guys are both from Chicago then, Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. that? So like from the neighborhood? Elena's more so from the neighborhood. I'm from the southwest side. Um, Midway. Midway. (laughs) (laughs) Went to high school downtown at Jones where, you know, everyone from every single part of the city was here. So I'm just used to, and because I was in Midway, there's not much going on. So I was always bopping (laughs) around from every other neighborhood and so forth. Um. So it just made sense. I was Peyton. Sorry, yeah. I had to put my plug. <laughs> like he always runs into Jones people. And All I, the time. I never run and into And it's like the smallest people. of CPS schools and we run into them everywhere. 
They're just out there, I guess. Yeah, no, they're in these streets. <laughs> but that's what I mean. It's because, like, people from Jones are coming from, because it is such a central location. They are coming from every single direction of the city. So, inevitably, you're always going to see I mean, see same them. with my yeah. high school. I just never, yeah. which is fine. I don't really want to see people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, but I love that you're, like, you've really, like, laid your tracks yeah. down from where you, I, I don't want to say originate from, but definitely mm-hmm. where I mean, but yeah, you, you but yeah, come from. Yeah. And, and actually, his parents used to live in Pilsen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it just so we both kind circle. of have roots here, yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned that you do like a series every so often, or... Like a, a collection? Collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you like say more about yeah, like so a seasonal? Or? Yeah, it is seasonal. We do usually a summer, at least a summer and a autumn, winter. However, we do smaller collections in the springtime, more so like mini collections. And even the way we've done that has significantly changed mm-hmm. too. You know, I think in the beginning we were like, this is all we're going to put out for the, I mean, also we were just starting. It's yeah. not like we had an yeah. exponential amount of, you know, money to go off of, right? Like this was our money that we were putting into this, mm-hmm. you know, without really any out with no outside investment. Yeah. So we really had to be like really smart. And that's why we do look at the data and like what our customers are telling us so often, because we are a small business. We don't have the luxury of being a Nike or an Adidas and just churning out everything and just seeing what, you know, resonates with people. And, you know, if if I see that, we can just drive it up. You know, that's not how it is. I mean, recently with the last stuff that we put out in the fall, we were like, what do you, what colors do you guys want to see? We're asking, you know, we have have the audience already here. Yeah. Um, So we used to do big drops. And then we kind of, we've evolved as well to a lot of brands are just constantly putting out a few new products. So I think we decided that that was more beneficial to us than to, just put out a huge drop for the summer mm-hmm. and then you might have a few summer items into the, the fall that didn't sell or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and also because Chicago is different and I'm sure you can attest to it too. It's like you wouldn't put out like a spring collection in February like everyone else would right. and knowing that people are going to be buying like swimsuits and tanks like just because that's how the fa- that how cyclical the fashion industry is. Chicago is not like that, you know, like they will buy outerwear once it's cold. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not as what's the preemptive? word I'm, yeah preemptive yeah they're more like reactive you yeah. know and so we it. really try to be as closely aligned with that as possible knowing that that's what it's going to be like so you know probably you know next week we'll pull out all of our windbreakers and things like that yeah. you know start to put away like more of the outerwear it's just like it's that's just how chicago people are you know it's very interesting is that something you think that your customer base also maybe anticipates is as you're changing it and they're waiting almost or like oh when's the next you know i want to say no because i feel like that's what we did in the initial phase okay. right mm-hmm. and that necessarily wasn't the case mm-hmm. and we also just like even even just looking outside of online stores where i feel like it's a little bit less like from a Chicago sample size, but when we're in store, right, that's just how it is, right? They come when the season shifts, mm-hmm. and that's just really mm-hmm. how it's been. Yeah. And how do you s- decide maybe that point of inspiration as you change that? Is there maybe when you're sourcing, right, do you find something and then base it off of that? Yeah, well, when we're sourcing, we base it off of the season for sure. Yeah. But like, when you're sourcing, is it that something that you find and then base off like your next collection? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I wouldn't 
say so. More so, we find things and, like I said, we don't really do collections anymore. We're kind of just constantly adding more things. Um, so it's kind of just like when we find something, it's gonna is it gonna match with the rest of our yeah. Items? And at that point too, like I mean, we're conscious of trends. But we're not necessarily dictating our pieces based on them because some trends are just whack. <laughs> like, honestly. Right. And yeah. I think that that also trends these days are gone in the blink of an eye. Fleeting, it's fast yeah. fashion. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're talking about doing more the ethical side of things, sourcing vintage, that takes more time. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately that raises the initial price of these mm-hmm. offerings as well yeah and so i've definitely seen um certain styles that i think are very popular right now but they don't ultimately fit with our overall aesthetic totally and it would feel yeah. like we're pandering a tiny bit and chasing it and, oh, and where do you that. where do you dance that line you know because exactly. it is so delicate mm-hmm. right and you don't want to seem cheesy exactly. yeah and, and not necessarily like desperate but i think it also detracts from your overall brand image yes and it sounds definitely like like you guys have been very dedicated to that from Mm -hmm. the get-go so that's really inspiring to know that you guys are kind of staying strong to that and Mm -hmm. always delivering that 18th and wood real vibe totally have you guys from the get-go always really wanted to experiment with reworked vintage as well yeah from the get-go i started experimenting with sewing and you know changing pieces but it was on a very small scale because it's also it's just us you know and you know it's easier for us to like take a photo put it out there as opposed to you know elena sucking up hours of her time just for one piece like those hours are better suited elsewhere especially Mm -hmm. in the beginning but like as the business has just become more sustainable that has shifted Mm -hmm. right so like now it's we have the time we have the support from our great interns Mm -hmm. you know to um create these templates and just be able to churn it out yeah we just we've come up with a system and like making patterns now and I think sustainable growth is what's always been really important to us. We don't want to get to the point where, you know, if let's say one of these rework pieces, like just everyone wants it, right? Like, and not have a template, you know, not have a process in place. Uh, And I think that's, we're very process oriented. And I think that just kind of like helps, you know, drive the business forward. Absolutely. It's, It's really inspiring to hear like how, thoughtful and methodical you guys have been around this consumerly conscious (laughs) (laughs) Um, but really I think that you guys have been very purposeful it sounds like in in really every decision that you've made totally Mm -hmm. which I think is indicative of like a really successful base for this company as well thank you Um, so growing up do you guys feel like that phrase conscious consumerism do you think that there was a focus on that growing up for you in your in your homes like was it a focus on sustainability or? I think for me, my mom's from San Francisco. So I think out there, they're a little bit more conscious. And we've been recycling since I can remember. We always, back before when they had the blue bags instead of the blue bins, my mom would have different set of blue bags for like this is the plastic one this is the aluminum oh, one wow. and this is yeah. the paper one people like, don't even do that these days right <laughs> and so 
I think growing up with her, like that was always something that was in my, it was natural for me to recycle. Mm -hmm. I recycle now because I grew up that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess I never realized that my parents were so sustainable. I just never really looked at it from that perspective. Like my parents, like my parents are both from Poland. Um, they grew up during like communism, right? Where you had rations for things, right? So like they've always, yeah, they, so they've just, oh, and like, that's why my parents are hoarders, you know, like right. you never know when the government's going to want to come and take your <laughs> shit, you know? So like yeah. my parents have always been like, they always compost. They have a really great like backyard. Like they have a standard Chicago sized home and lot, but one side is filled with tomatoes during the summer. They mm-hmm. they make their own tomato sauce, cucumbers, and all stuff from like grown from our backyard, right? Yeah. Um, and I never really just looked at it from that lens. But I think as I've gotten older, like when I was brushing my teeth, my dad would immediately turn off the water because. I don't need the water running. And I always just was like, dad, you're being cheap. You're being weird. Um, but now when I look back and I do that to my boyfriend and I turn <laughs> off the water, he gives me that same laser look I gave my dad. But, you know, like, why do we need to be wasteful? You know, and right. I think right. we've never really, you know, taken the approach to be, you know, a consumer conscious right. brand. It just it kind of has happened. been, mm-hmm. you know, just because of the nature of, you know, you know, vintage, you know, not wanting to, you know, making more smaller size collections and, you know, increasing the qu- uh, quantity as demand has been there. We don't want to just sit on a pile of stuff, you know, especially when it was only Elena's apartment at the time. So mm-hmm. we just really wanted to be um, c- conscious. Yeah. Like, I guess. <laughs> For lack yeah. of a better word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I was joking that this could easily become like a very drunk um, drinking game. Oh, yeah. Everybody listening would have to take a drink every time we said conscious. Yeah. Yes. I like that. We wouldn't have listeners because everybody would be passed out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I think it is true. Like it's, you know, I talk about this a lot that I kind of went the opposite way where it was like Mm -hmm. my family was. We always did secondhand back to school shopping and Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be like everybody else. And so I rebelled pretty hard like straight into the arms of forever 21 and h&m mm. and all that and newness exactly. right newness yeah, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and just the i wanted to just blend in with the homogenous crowd like i didn't want to stand out i didn't want to have these cool vintage pieces all this time but especially when you're a kid you know yeah, you want to fit yeah. in you're not trying to be like an outsider yeah but it has definitely been a conscious decision for myself to make that circle back around to focus on it as well. And I think in general, it's definitely become a much larger, stronger trend with consumers, the more educated that they become as well on the detriments of fast fashion and what that means, not only for our environment, but also for human rights violations as totally. well. Totally. And I think that that's, we're in a good field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I even think if we're just looking at it from a monetary standpoint, yeah. even if yeah. we didn't care as strongly as we did about everything. Yeah. I think the still thing I wish kind of that could evolve and get just a little bit easier for us is just like shipping, right? Like yeah. we understand that like these single use plastics aren't ideal, but like when we're shipping stuff out in the winter across the United States with different, you know, weather patterns in every different market, right? Like, I can't expect ourselves to put something, yeah, in a a paper bag and it's going to be raining. You know what I mean? It it just, it just, that hasn't necessarily clicked yet. And also we're not, we don't want our clothes or the customer experience to diminish there either. But I think, you know, as these kind of conversations happen more, um, you know, maybe 
that might change soon, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think especially like in Chicago, right, this, we have that like bag tax, you know, we're always asking people, do you want a mm-hmm. bag or do you want to just take this out on your, as yourself or in your backpack, whatever, and I think people are, like, even that alone, I think, makes a, a big difference, mm-hmm. you know. I think even mm-hmm. just simply asking, do you need a bag Yeah, this? absolutely, and yeah. Possibly use that verbiage because I think oh, that's, we're, yeah. we're not trying to shame or judge people or anything like that, but I think they're so conditioned to everything being bagged up immediately mm-hmm that giving them that chance to really think and more times than not people will be like oh no i can just yeah. Yeah. I can put yeah. it in my bag and i've been surprised lately yeah that we yeah can put it in. but i think yeah just and how many people say no conscious question yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly yeah. like making them again cuz that's like you know just being aware of how and and what you're spending your money mm-hmm. on too and i think so much of that like comes from like luxury brands too because it's like oh let me see that that orange Hermes bag, you know, or, right. you know what I mean? Like you things like that. It's part like of you their want branding. People yeah. eat that up, yep. you know, and yeah, we're just dancing around that, you know? So exactly. maybe lead by example, Absolutely. die product, call them out. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Do you think that conscious mindset is something that maybe you promote with your customers? Like how do, how do you do that? How, what's the best way to, I don't think hard. we, we actively have been, it's something one. we yeah. should, yeah. And maybe yeah. even like with youth, is that something? Because like I noticed that you guys did a um, like a student discount at your shop, and mm-hmm. that was really great. Mm-hmm. And I just was wondering, like, what is it that started that discount? What? Why did you feel like you? Because I wish I had it when I was in school, <laughs> basically, right? Like, basically, it's like these are the people yeah. you want to be wearing your stuff, and yeah. you know, it's not like when I like when I was sixteen, I immediately got a job, right? right. But like that money isn't always going to the best places. And it's, you know, I think ASOS was the one I saw that like had that student discount and it was like, there needs to be like, I think American institutions are just not like that. Like in other countries, they give you a reward for, you know, pursuing and furthering your education and um, student loans are apparently intense, you know? (laughs) So it's just giving someone a small break. We also remember what it was like to be a broke college student or a broke high school student. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it just comes from that experience too. Yeah. But I think it's maybe a a happy um, side effect of that as Mm -hmm. well, that it's, it's coming from your guys' own kind of basis and history with it and understanding. But I think ultimately you're also conditioning them to appreciate like shopping at small businesses because Mm -hmm. they do kind of, I mean, you did give the example of ASOS, but it also is like they get to meet the people who are selling it and making it and really ultimately potentially inspiring them mm-hmm. as well. And I will say I love when we meet like our followers. Yeah. Um, like especially when we're doing the summer events and stuff. Uh, when we see these kids, you know, with their parents, you know, like coming, like meeting us and getting excited, um, you know, wanting to shoot for us, you know, asking us questions, how wanting to intern for us. Yeah. Um, we've That's how really we've gotten fun. some of our interns. They just reach out to us and they're like, do you need an Shoot intern? Your shot. Like we we haven't even posted anything yet, and people are asking yeah. us. It's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. What does the f- the actual phrase "conscious consumerism" evoke for you guys? Just being so conscious. I think it's just so aware. So aware. I think it's just about being like mindful of like your. I mean, just even outside of just shopping, right? Being sustainably minded you know not necessarily being wasteful you know 
giving stuff a purpose and a reason, you know, do I really need this bag, you know, Mm -hmm. um, supporting a small business, you know? Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah. Especially with the part of like not just shopping, going on a shopping spree. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing back to your other question. My mom never like took me on shopping sprees. It would be like, okay, you need, you need a new shirt or whatever. And that's what we're we're going to get. So I haven't bought new clothes in I don't even know how long. And that's how I've always been. I'm not a wasteful person. So that I think back to Jonathan's point, conscious consumerism is also about like having a reason. Yeah. Not just shopping to shop. Right. Yeah. I mean, that'd be nice. Yeah. Right. We all want to be at that <laughs> level. But <laughs> I mean, because there is something to be said occasionally for that little bit of retail therapy. But mm-hmm. I think even if you are shopping, maybe for something small, like a new candle or something like mm-hmm. that, still using that avenue to be really conscious about where you're shopping from. Totally. Um, we yeah. always use kind of the, the mindset of like positive reinforcement. And so I never want to shame people if they do occasionally shop at, at fast fashion or things like that. But just as long as they're aware of like yeah. who and why they're doing it. Because I think the more um, awareness that you have when you're spending this money, the more likely you are to ultimately shop at those smaller stores too, because mm-hmm. it's not mindless. You're not like, oh, I'm going to go to Anthro and get you know a $50 candle when I could yeah. go to 18th and Wood yeah. or, mm-hmm. or Knee Deep mm-hmm. and like spend that money and get something really cool and a whole yeah. experience behind it as and well. And it's, it's shifting, you know, it's you know, just like, I mean, that bag tax, for example, in Chicago is mm-hmm. a very new thing, right? And I think it's just that overall shift like that. I keep seeing that company on Instagram right now that is trying to eliminate single use plastics with like the soap tablets and stuff like that, right? Where it's like, they give you a nice glass bottle, you put in a tab, like some shark, like one of the sharks from Shark Tank is yeah, invested in it. Yeah, I actually just got a couple of those tablets. Awesome, yeah, out. and it's yeah. like, that's a great way. Like, I, I sometimes I would look at like the garbage that I, like, I produce in a week, I'm like, how is this already full? You know, and and I'm trying to be mindful, you know, of like what I'm doing. But at the same point, like, I mean, I, I bought this, I ordered this, you know, it right. came in this packaging. It's a waste. I remember like one time I ordered some Tide to Go pens from Amazon and it, it came in a giant box. It was three pens. Like a box within <laughs> yeah, a box. it was and like, what, what is this? Shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. But I think it's, it's also being lenient mm-hmm. and understanding that not everybody has the means or the time totally. to mm-hmm. shop like that. And so I think that that's where it comes through. Like conscious consumerism doesn't necessarily mean being the ultimate eco warrior for mm-hmm. every single purchase. Right. Um, because people need to make like a yeah. target run for toilet paper. Yeah. Or and yeah. it's inherently classist too, yeah. to be honest, you know, because like on that point, right? Like not everyone can afford that's to be exactly a what I was going to say, you know, it's and like, there's two sides to it, because on the one hand, for example, I'm just going to throw this out there, but like Fashion Nova, the article came out about the sweatshops and whatnot, but they're one of the few mainstream brands that are very, very affordable. So And size inclusive. And well. size inclusive. So it gives a, a larger audience the ability to buy these specific trends and these clothes and if it's be attainable. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So there's there's definitely pros and cons. And with a vintage store, it's harder because you do have to mark up prices because it's there's more work involved. The pieces are probably a better quality. Absolutely. Um, and a bunch of other factors. Um, whereas, you know, f- 
fashion nova fast fashion it's easier for them to sell at a lower price point mm -hmm. yeah and i think that that's that's one of the the kind of downsides right to mm -hmm. promoting or being a conscious consumer is that there's there's absolutely like that that price point barrier for a lot of individuals do you guys what other ones could you kind of think of that might be an impediment for somebody that's trying to potentially live a more sustainable life? I was going to say even food. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, mm -hmm. not, not everyone even has a car where they're storing all mm -hmm. their totes, you know, like. I know. I, I think it's, it's still important to create that um, smaller division, you know, and that's why I really love the fact that you guys are doing those kind of neighborhood invitations. We're offering you know, students the ability to do that and then offering the internships. And I think that that, you know, lessens the gap between, mm -hmm. you know, who can and who cannot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I think sometimes people come in and they're like, so how did you start this? Like they, th what they really just want is a playbook of our vendors. Um, what platforms we're using, how we're marketing, what pixels are on the website, like Poor things like screen that. Printers. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> You could easily, you know, join a team like this and shoot your shot 2020, you know, like our interns have, um, reaching out and, you know, learning, but I'm not going to spell it out for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we brought you here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not spelling it out. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's absolutely something to be said for learning it through hard work because that's how you guys have ultimately gotten here, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've mm -hmm. put in the time, you've put in the efforts, you've put in the man hours, the blood, sweat, tears, all that stuff. And so I've, I do believe in paying it forward to an extent. Totally. But I think you can also tell when people are willing to put in that work, like when they do want to intern for you mm -hmm. guys, because mm -hmm. they understand that one, you shouldn't, and you can't just give away your secrets because mm -hmm. it is this experience yeah. um, for a lot of things. And so I think, it's awesome that you guys do allow interns in because yeah. I think ultimately that's also the best work experience because yeah. it's yes. not all glamorous. It's not yeah. all photo yes. shoots, taking photos, outsourcing vintage. Like there is so much that people yeah. don't yes. know about. Yeah, I think that's business. why I've always been really annoyed when people are like, oh, "I'm starting a brand." I've never seen one of those people actually execute on it. <laughs> not that I don't. Not that I don't wish success on anyone. Yeah. but they think like we're just hamming it up in the yeah. shop. Yeah. Like yeah. shooting the shit. Not in the doing beginning, anything. we used yeah. to have like a lot of people come in and just be like, yeah, so I'm thinking of starting a brand too. Or yeah, I have some hats that I'm going to sell. When we first <laughs> when we first started the business, me and Elena were both working our full time jobs. I would immediately come home or would take the pink line over. I was still living with my parents in Midway at the time. I would come over at like 530. We'd be there till like 11. Mm -hmm. I'd go home, eat something real quick, shower, and we'd do the whole thing over. Like that was like five of seven days a week and it's and we did that before we launched for like months from, from like April, 11 months no we November. started in like january oh, i want to we say about. yeah january yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we launched in november November 1st so we yeah. were meeting almost every day for like nine to 11 months before we launched mm -hmm. because we we weren't just gonna put out anything yeah any execution is everything you know yeah. Yeah. yeah i feel like there's so many sites where like the link is broken they're never updating it they don't even realize that their domain is expired something you new out once a year <laughs> no <laughs> whoops <laughs> not calling anyone i have not <laughs> seen it links. yeah but you know what i mean it it's just, just like you know what i mean it's just like but that stuff happens right like we have to like take the times and like it's one thing if that happens once right but it's no, like absolutely. it's that one time that's like okay i'm gonna make a note so this never happens again you know absolutely. but it's like again it's that conscious effort <laughs> that you have to put into things yeah that work ethic i yeah. think is is 
the reason why you guys are so successful and why other people want to try to glean off <laughs> your ideas and experience without putting in that hard work. Because I think a lot of times people who work really hard ultimately also potentially make it look easy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the people a lot of times who are working really hard aren't talking about how hard that mm -hmm. they're working. Yeah. And so it just ends up looking like you guys are really kind of killing it and mm -hmm. there's not that blood, sweat, and tears behind right. the curtain. And I think it's okay to kind of, you know, pull back that curtain at times, but it's also just like keep doing you. Oh, I hate to ask this question, mm -hmm. but what's next for 18th and Wood? More sustainable growth. Yeah. I think we've been in a really great place for it to have like, you know, we have the patterns, we have the templates, we have our process, we yeah. have our system, and just to continue to see that to grow. Do you guys think there's any downsides to embracing a more sustainable life? No. Well, <laughs> uh, that was a very fast and yeah. beautiful answer, but... Um, I mean, it shouldn't, kind of right? Because it came at the same time. You're like, well, it's like, no! I mean, no, it shouldn't. I, it, shouldn't. Yeah. it shouldn't, but there... I think like we mentioned before, like affordability, not everyone can afford to be a conscious consumer for every purchase. Yeah. Or even for most. purchases. Yeah. But there's, some not, people but there's just no downside to having that mindset. Right. And well, being yeah, conscious. the mindset for sure. Pursuing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the actively being. But then even still, I mean, like, yeah, you maybe you're spending a dollar more. I mean, assuming like money isn't the object. Okay, right. Well, I mean, not many people can assume that. But so is that a downside, though? I mean, is that affordability? Yeah, for for people who who can't yeah actually afford it. I think in a, in a perfect world, there's ultimately no downside, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. because you're supporting exactly. the environment, supporting small businesses. Um, but in a non vacuum, it definitely does get tricky because it's mm -hmm. I think accessibility as well. Accessibility. Like, yeah. We yeah. were talking about like not having a car. Mm -hmm. A lot of times with public transit, like it's hard to just get places as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. We actually have some customers that come up from Hyde Park and one woman will treat herself to an Uber like every wow. every other month or something yeah. like that and come up here and like spend mm -hmm. a couple hours. But for a lot of people like they don't have the money for an Uber on top of yeah. Right. Yeah. At yeah. A small right. business yeah. kind of thing. So and like we're lucky enough tricky. to be in a city where it is e mm -hmm. quote unquote exactly. easy to get around. Yeah, but you get but in a smaller town and that's, yeah. you may just not have that commerce that's dedicated towards yeah. sustainability. And so then it's even a, an additional transportation cost because right. then you're talking about going to that bigger metropolis where it has more. Uh, Do you watch Shit's Creek? I don't. Oh, um, <laughs> Did they, they say Metropolis. No, so it's just like oh. they, um, like they, like they move into this like shit town because oh, they have like yeah, no yeah. money, but like they've created like businesses in there, and they have like a little apothecary that he created, right? But it's yeah. like, yeah, not every small well, town along, in America has along that kind with of space. accessibility, um, like education on it, because in like lower income areas, there's not an, there might not be an emphasis on it. People mm -hmm. might not even know what conscious consumerism is. Totally. Yeah. So it's just it's like the initial roadblock is just actually explaining to people mm -hmm. what it means. And, mm -hmm. and maybe um, I think it is important to have that education side of the scary side of it, the mm -hmm. not fun side where it's like, this is actually what fast fashion does to our environments, to mm -hmm. the people who are working at it. It's mm -hmm. not fun to hear about. But here are the ways that you can also shop. And I think mm -hmm. it's important totally. to follow that those scary statistics while necessary up with something that's empowering because mm -hmm. if you just scare people they're going to be temporarily guilted into making those more sustainable choices but it's right. ultimately not it's not breaking a pattern yeah yeah exactly so by saying like 
yeah, this shit's really scary and awful, but here's some really cool ways that you can do it. Whether yeah. you're mm-hmm. going immediately to the thrift store or you're for both like modern and vintage or you're going to a curated vintage boutique mm-hmm. or someplace that does like reworked fashion or modern um, contemporary fashion, mm-hmm. things like that. Kind of on that note, what do you guys think the future is for vintage fashion? Do you think it's something that's gaining in popularity? Do you think potentially more people are getting excited about it? Do you see it waning at all? I see it continuing to grow only because people are becoming more conscious consumers. Mm-hmm. However, I think the trend is going to eventually... It's plateauing, I feel Yeah, like. yeah. So the trend of everyone like, oh, I can resell this on eBay or I can... Mm-hmm. Everyone's a reseller right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that is eventually... People are going to get tired of the work. People are going to realize that maybe this isn't it's as easy as... sustainable venture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... So I do think as a um, as like an industry, it's gonna continue, but there might not be as much of a boom mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. we're seeing right now. Yeah, one trend that we've noticed and kind of discussed as well is actual modern secondhand fashion. I mean, you have Poshmark, Nordstrom is talking about opening up their secondhand boutique. Well, they'll what? buy back. Yeah, we heard about that. We kind of talked about it on the first I've podcast. I have not heard um, of this. The They'll buy back anything. Right? (laughs) Uh, But they have um, talked about instituting a process where they will buy back old Nordstrom brands to like resell, kind of like a luxury reselling. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I've actually noticed has gained in popularity. But I think they're definitely going hand in hand because I think a lot of times, even though people are reselling potentially on Poshmark, the quality is so much different when you're talking about like really good vintage clothing. It was made with thicker textiles. It's better construction, mm-hmm. especially when you get union made type stuff from the fifties and sixties as well. But I agree. I think it is, it's becoming potentially more focused. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe not, it could become not as broad with not maybe as many sellers, but I think the mm-hmm. people who are doing it and who have been doing it are maybe like focusing and customers are potentially yeah. narrowing in on them a little bit more. Do you guys have any tips for amateur vintage shoppers? Maybe people who are just kind of getting into the game. Take Patience. Your time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Take your time and be patient. Uh, if you don't have patience, it's not for you. Also, never go expecting to find an item because oh, you yeah, never don't will. Go looking. That's when we fail. (laughs) Do you think it's good to have like a checklist in mind about maybe what you are interested in? Maybe Maybe not a check. Maybe by category, not by item. Yeah, type. Are you guys referring to people who are sourcing vintage or people who are just going to shop for themselves? Both. I mean, like I feel like when we've wanted to look for something, it's been harder. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because you just set the expectation that it's going to be there and it's it's vintage, right? It's just, it is what it is. White silk jumpsuit. Yeah. Right. Good luck. Yeah. 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 You don't think that it's necessarily different sometimes for people who are just consumers? Because one thing we've noticed is maybe we'll have like a vintage wish list where people Mm -hmm. can, if they're looking for that specific item that they Mm -hmm. maybe haven't found, but that's also utilizing other resources. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen people advise maybe to have just like a a checklist in your phone. Maybe if you're specifically looking at a capsule wardrobe Mm -hmm. type situation. Yeah. So you know that you're missing that navy blazer Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So maybe it's not as hyper specific. You're not Mm -hmm. going into that vintage store or that thrift store being like, I'm going to find a navy blazer in a size 
10 today and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But well, just I, having that on your radar. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think we, we there are pieces uh, that we are always going to be looking for, but never like expect to find. Right. Yeah, because I just feel exactly. like we'll always be disappointed that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're yeah. unfortunately potentially setting yourself up. For yeah, totally. kind of exactly. Thing. Well, I know you guys have to get back to the store yeah. um, and open up the life of a small business owner mm-hmm. as well. We want to thank you so much for spending your time with us and thank you guys for having us us. to 18th and wood is there any like big projects or events that you guys have coming up that we want to plug quick Uh, i mean we'll be at the festivals this summer specifically pilsen fest i'm not sure what else um we'll probably do a spring party Mm -hmm. so follow along follow us and yeah say hi when you see us yeah absolutely thank you guys for coming thank you so much thank you (laughs)